This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Jim Gray is the vocalist of Caligula's Horse, who are releasing their fourth studio album, In Contact, on September 15th. They'll also be touring Australia through September and October, playing in Melbourne at Max Watts on September 30th. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. You're really welcome. Now, this album, like, so you released the last one, Bloom. When do you sort of conceive of what this album's going to become, like the thrust of it, and, and how does that come about? Uh, the you know the, like the the concept or, or yeah the concept the, the musical direction all that stuff. Well, I mean, basically, we we start by uh, by sitting down and kind of discussing the direction that we want to go in next. I mean, usually for us, it's uh, you know we we try and step away, not not starkly away from what we've done in the past, but we like to try and stretch ourselves a little bit and kind of. Uh, do something a bit different so you know the the point of difference for this one was that we wanted to specifically write a, a concept album because i think the idea came from originally um sam had the idea that he wanted to try and write a you know a side length track you know like a big kind of 20 minute long um piece and release it kind of as an ep um because he, he wanted to challenge himself to write something that was that length um but that still kind of had an ebb and flow and natural flow to it. it didn't feel like a long song it didn't sort of fall into progressive metal tropes and stuff like that um and um from that point on we started throwing some ideas around and ended up with the idea for the actual concept for the album and then we just ended up kind of realizing that we were writing an album so we just kind of went with it at that stage the last song of the album graves is lengthy 15 minutes 31 seconds i believe is that does, does that come out of that long process of trying to write a long song or is that just happens to be Kind of, kind of both. I mean, we once we started working on Graves, because what ended up happening is we, we ended up with a couple of, of the earlier tracks from the album that, that were really sort of uh, coherent and, and kind of punctuated in, within a, a, a shorter period of time. And we kind of, we, oh, we've got some good singles and some songs here, so let's, let's do the album. Um, but Graves, when we started writing it, it really felt like it had the scope of a, of a large piece of music, you know. And it didn't quite feel like it was leading us to complete itself. And I think the nature of how we wrote it is what led it to become uh, sort of as as gentle as it is in all of its changes. Like everything feels quite natural moving from one part to the other and it tells the story quite smoothly in that way. Um, but yeah, Grace is definitely a product of the fact that we, I think we set out to be writing kind of bigger, longer, more sort of, uh, I suppose, extemporized um, music. We, we, we talked, I think it was about a year ago, about your Turntail tour. And mm-hmm. we sort of briefly went over the fact that you and Sam collaborate quite closely for the music uh, and the concepts. Could you talk a little bit about more about how that kind of works in practice and how it you know works for this album? Uh, for this one, like for a lot of the time, um, Sam is, is off by himself um, working on the skeleton of the song. You know, he'll have the fundamental ideas, and then they won't come to me or any of the other guys until he's had a chance to kind of polish that that original skeleton and kind of put it together in a, in a slightly cohesive way. So we have like a, a whole pile of um, <clears throat> excuse me, like a whole pile of ideas 
lying around that we that I sort of write <clears throat> small uh, vocal parts to or, or have little sparks from. And it's not until Sam and I kind of actually get together in a room and start working on these little pieces that things start tying themselves together or maybe one of us comes up with an idea um, that will spark the rest of the song kind of thing. I mean, that, like you, you mentioned Turntail, that is exactly how Turntail came about. You know, there was one one breakthrough moment with that that it kind of blew up. So, you know, we, we write very well on our own, but uh, when we come together, obviously the, the ideas are falling a lot uh, freer because we've got all this experience with writing together now. We have such a strong relationship. <clears throat> so... I think with uh, with with this this time around, you know, because it was conceptual, you know, like I'm my focus in the room when we were writing together was fundamentally focusing on getting to know the characters in each chapter because each chapter is obviously following a completely different, uh, separate story um, and a and a separate character, uh, and I, I had to know them really well. I had to understand the world that they were in and going through so that I, I knew where the journey was going to take them. Um, and that helped to kind of guide and sculpt the, the musical side of things as much as the uh, lyrical side of things. So yeah, I suppose it's different for each album. You, let's take you as an individual. Um, you know, you, you sort of get the idea that you want to be coming up with stuff you know, to bring to this table of collaboration. How does that process work for you as an individual? Well, I mean, anyone that... that writes or does anything creative knows that there's days when there's days when you're on and there's days when you're not uh, and uh, you know there's days when when tunes or, or, or lyrical ideas and stuff will flow out of you easily as as, as anything as like it's like breathing and another days when it's a real struggle but for me uh, you know when I write I try to sit down and I try to focus um, for as, mo- as long as I can you know usually it's not super long because my attention span isn't that isn't that great but you know, I, I do focus on, on, on finishing what I have uh, open. You know, like I'll have my laptop out and I'll be, you know, writing sketches of, a, of lyrical ideas out. And I don't throw away ideas that are bad or not as good as, as they could be. You know, I keep all the placeholder lines in there because they kind of give me a structure for particularly rhythmically or if I'm trying to fit sort of a phrase syllabically around something that I know is a good melodic contour or a good rhythm, you know, I've got something written that fits the rhythm that I don't think is good enough, but I'll, I'll leave it in there in the line anyway so that I can come back to it and have something like a, a framework to work off. Otherwise, you're sort of wasting time, you know. Um, but that's that's usually how I do it. I just I just put, the, put a little demo on loop um, and I'll just uh, hum away and put some shapes and vocal phrases together and then uh, from there I'll just be polishing lyrics for a little while. Uh, you mentioned the album's a concept album. Could you talk a little bit about the concept behind it? Like, wh- wh- where did it kind of come from um, in broad outlines? Like, wh- wh- what's the intention, purpose? What are, you, what are you trying to get across with this? Well, I mean, fundamentally, it's about the, I suppose, the interconnectedness of human beings. Uh, if, if, if you sort of, like, really simplified it into, into a single sentence. Um, th- there's a couple of layers to this, and not not, not to get into too much detail, but the underlying theme of the album is that um, all forms of art are an attempt by human beings unknowingly to remember a dream uh, that all of us shared as, as sort of one entity before waking into individuality. So um, it's, it's like, you know, when you wake up from a dream and you kind of see it, it's on the tip of your tongue, you've completely forgotten what it was. Um, but, you know, you, you're trying to explain it to somebody. That's, that's essentially what the human race is trying to do through art. Um, and... Like because because that's too big a story to tell, I wanted to make it really kind of individual and um, personal and relatable. And so each of the chapters, 
uh, follows a, an artist of one kind or another. There's a sculptor, a painter, a, a poet, and um, a musician, a, a composer. And um, each of them is, is on a journey to reaching for something more or, or better in their lives, as well as reaching for the first dream um, in, in their art, unknowingly as well. So there's, there's a lot going on there, and it sounds a little bit complicated, but really the theme that sort of permeates the entire album is, is reach and, and the things that connect us across our many differences, despite how different we are, we are all sort of connected in this way. So when you say um, multiple stories, why is why is it multiple stories as opposed to just exploring that idea through a single individual? Uh, well, because you're getting different angles on the whole thing, and 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 again, because I wanted to imply that it wasn't sort of one human mm-hmm. being's ability to see through the the fourth wall of the album. You know, it's 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 across everyone. You know, we're trying to sort of get that message across. That, and also because it adds variety to the sound of the album. You know, you'll notice that each chapter is written very differently. That that musically speaking, it's um, you know the ink chapter, the ink's chapter, the the um, the poet, his his chapter is very, very dark and has, you know, melodic themes throughout it. And there's melodic themes that kind of repeat through each of them. Um, but they're entirely separate in that way. Now, when you're working on a concept album, you have an idea, like the sort of the spark of imagination that sort of prompts you forward in a particular direction. And you're working on it. But at what stage do you sort of realize or believe that it's complete, that you've done justice to this idea that you're trying to capture? Well, I suppose with us, you know, we we put everything through the, the fine-tooth comb machine. You know, it's like, like Sam and I are not going to let anything go until um, we know that it... it, it uh, like, we're not even going to demo it, you know? We're not even going to, you know... Uh, officially put it down like we'll do scratch demos out of Sam's uh, home studio but then we're not going to demo it properly until we know that this thing is a complete piece of work and before before that even happens we've we've gone through and analyzed every line every part to make sure that it has everything that it needs um, and on top of that the, uh, the other part that makes it complete you know in, in, is, is deadlines it's yeah, having these looming dates that you need to have this off to um, mastering by you know, otherwise, you know, it'd never get never get done at all. Uh, you've mentioned elsewhere that the album is sort of heavier, darker, which definitely shines through, particularly in a couple of tracks. Is that because it's kind of a more personal kind of idea? You're very much telling uh, stories about individuals, artists like yourself. Uh, not not intentionally, really. It's uh, you know, again, the the darkness sort of comes from us sort of stepping away from Bloom a little bit, kind of like, well, what's what's the point of difference between Bloom? Like, what can we do differently? What, how can we move forward? And obviously, going in a sort of a heavier direction is, is an obvious one, given that the Bloom is a lot lighter and kind of more colourful. Um, <clears throat> the other side of it is that you know, like we all we all struggle. You know, like I I've been struggling in particular over the last couple of years, sort of with issues of mental health and all kinds of things, and so. You know, when I when I write, often, you know, some of my experiences are reflected in the music, and if they're particularly tragic, or if I've written something that is a little bit tragic, obviously the music uh, reflects that as well. Mm. Two new members since the last album. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that change the at all the dynamic for writing or performing? For both, definitely. I like working with Josh, uh, our new drummer, has been just. It's, super exciting because basically from the moment that he joined the band from his first show we actually played we're sort of lucky for him actually like we played a hometown show uh in brisbane 
at the Triffid uh, for his first show, and it was kind of like a really welcoming crowd, very, very nice. But I, I, from that, I, I walked off that stage and basically told him immediately afterwards that like, I'd never felt more safe on stage than uh, with him behind the kit. Like, it's, he's, he's rock solid. He, he makes you feel super comfortable. Uh, Adrian is awesome to have around as well. He's been a good friend of ours for many years. Um, and he's, he's an incredible player as well. So that's, that's, that's really... And it's just, he's just the whole package because <laughs> he does all of our music videos for the most part too. So bonus there. But uh, it, in terms of writing, it, it definitely does sort of change and shape the way that Sam uh, and I approach things because we can be a little bit more adventurous now. I mean, like, uh, because Josh is such a... Uh, he's not just a drummer, he's a musician. You know, he really is the, he's the whole package. And I, I like, no disrespect to drummers at all. Uh, but uh, those two things aren't usually, the, you know, uh, the same. You know, sometimes they're mutually exclusive. But he is a musician and a drummer, and it's really, really sort of exciting to work with. So, for example, there's a lot more, uh, I suppose, adventurous technical stuff and more what people sort of usually refer to as progressive stuff uh, on the album on account of um, having his sort of skill set, because we know we can pretty much throw anything at him and he'll either be able to do it straight away or if he can't, then next week he'll come in and he's nailing it. You know? So it's, he's just, it's just awesome, man. Musicians kind of grow throughout their career. You know, you, you talk a lot about um, a lot of bands, particularly the more progressive, adventurous ones, talking about challenging themselves. Now, when there's, like, growth, is that kind of something that just happens over time? It's just natural? You're performing, you're writing, and it all just accumulates into this sort of idea that you're increasing your skill or something like that? Or is it, like, the challenge of the creative process that you specifically put yourself in that makes you kind of grow? I think it depends on, you know, the kind of music that you're making. I mean, like, for example, if you were, if you were writing genre music, you know, and there's not a lot of there's not a great deal uh, of room for you to experiment or grow or you know test your boundaries there because this is where the breakdown needs to be or this is where you know we need the poppy chorus and the scream vocals and the verse you know like the or vice versa you know it's like you, there's not a lot of room for that but I suppose if you're writing music in the way that we are you know we're, we're trying to create art for art's sake <clears throat> and we don't care if no one hears it it's just for us um, then in that way. Of course, we're going to be pushing ourselves. Of course, we're going to be testing our, our own abilities and kind of taking steps forward because otherwise we're just repeating ourselves and, and why would we do that? If, you're, if your art, if your music is a genuine and honest articulation of yourself as a human being and a reflection of who you are, then of course it's also going to change over time as well because naturally we all change and grow. Like I'm not the same person as I was six years ago when I was working on writing the material for uh, The Tide, The Thief and Rivers End. Which is why I find it so funny that, you know, you, you see comments and stuff around the internet, uh, <laughs> which is uh, dangerous waters if, you, if you're a sensitive soul like me, but going, and, and you sort of see, see comments about previous work and saying like, oh, you know, I, I really wish they'd do something a little more like type deep and rivers And I'm like, well, man, I'm not 24 anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm 30, I'm now a dad. Like, I've had a lot of, a lot of changes in my life, and of course my music is going to reflect that too. So, yeah, I, th- I think if you're writing music for art's sake, then absolutely. Absolutely, you'll be challenging yourself. But I, I can't speak for anyone else, really. Um, going back specifically to some of the music on the album, um, Inertia and the Weapon of the Wall. Could you talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. track? Because it, it really stands out on the album. Oh, cool. It is, does it stand out in a good way or a bad way, you reckon? In, 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 in like an interesting way, like it really sort of like you like you know I, I love the music on the album. You like listen, to this is really cool, and then something pops up that you're de- <laughs> I definitely wasn't expecting. 
I've been sort of dabbling in spoken word poetry for a little bit now. Like it's it's still pretty new to me, but um, I've taken a couple of my my pieces on on tour and performed them at uh, Kilgore's Hall shows. Um, in uh, inertia included us perform that at a number of shows around Australia. Um, and it's kind of a nerve-wracking thing, actually, because, you know, I've been singing since I was nine years old. Like, I've been, that's, that's not something that sort of gets me nervy in front of people anymore. But uh, standing up in front of a microphone, completely a cappella and delivering uh, poetry, it, you know, gets the heart racing. It's pretty exciting. Um, but, yeah, we, I, I had kind of the, the bare-bones structure of a, of a couple of ideas for inertia, well, what would become inertia, um, pretty early, early on in the piece. And I think that actually inspired me to create the character of Inks for, for Inks chapter to have a poet as one of our artists on the, on the album because uh, uh, it's, it, was, it was sort of an exciting idea to maybe throw in some of the spoken word stuff that I've been performing and um, Sam did an incredible job of creating the soundscapes behind it and trying to create sort of sonic imagery of uh, the sort of uh, nightmarish cityscape that Ink is describing in, in, uh, in the poem so um, it's definitely a bit different. I think it's going to polarize some people, but uh, I, I think it's kind of important to be, again, pushing pushing ourselves and pushing those boundaries. I think the particularly good thing about that is it's both sort of form and function. You're, you're saying something about the character in what the actual form of that track takes. I think that's really quite clever, really. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, I, I, one thing that excited me was that, uh, you know, the final line of the poem, uh, Spit the Canopy Out and Tell Ink Censure, is actually a reference to him talking about the writing on the wall and how ironic it is that people assume that the writing's on the wall and so they sort of stay static and they don't take action and he's kind of urging them to take action and do what the writing says. Um, but people uh, within the story, the way that I see it, would have uh, misinterpreted that and assumed that that was his moniker, that that was his name, and so that's why he actually picked up the name of Pink. Uh, so that's just a little bit of lore stuff that is probably, <laughs> you know... Uh, it's not discernible by anyone but uh, me, the person who wrote it. But never mind, I, I get excited about that. I, I'm I'm working on some like conceptual stuff at the moment, and like it, it's kind of a weird feeling that knowing like a lot of the stuff that you kind of develop in this world is that like it, most of it's not going to be known to anyone except maybe some of the other band members. How, how do you kind of separate the fact that you're performing a particular thing that? people may extrapolate from and understand, but they're probably never going to really understand what you're truly talking about. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure that matters, really, because my, my preference is that people are able to take their own interpretation. I mean, my entire kind of uh, manifesto when it comes to writing conceptual music is that I am not going to slam my story down your throat. That's the last thing that I want. I, I'm not a big fan of, and this happens a lot, this is a, a trope in progressive metal, that, uh, you know, the, the people write their story and it's, and it's scripted and, you know, there's characters saying this and describing things in a certain way so you can only get what they intended out of the story. And, uh, you know, the way that I write, the way that I prefer to write is, is to create the imagery of a story based on the fact that I have a really detailed understanding of what's going within that story. And I can paint enough of, a, of an image that people can either discern the story that I intended or relate to it on another, maybe more personal, deeper level um, that, that I could not have imagined as the person writing it. You know? So uh, I get really excited about finding layers of meaning <clears throat> within what you're writing, despite it being conceptual as well. So, yeah, I would, I would urge you, not to, if you're writing conceptual stuff yourself, like, don't, don't ram it down their throat, man. Let them, let them figure it out.
I'll take that advice on board. Now, I saw you support Sleep Makes Waves earlier this year. Great show. I'm going to see you in September. Thank you. Now, when you're performing, like you mentioned earlier, you know, there's kind of a difference between what you're actually doing there, and you, you kind of come out and do something. Um, in terms of, like, if you're there singing, that, that's totally natural. If you were there doing poetry, that's a lot different. Like, when you get out there, like, what are you trying to do? I know it's kind of a stupid question in a lot of ways, but, like, what are you, what are you there, like, in your head? Like, what, am, what are you trying to do? I guess, uh, you know, the, the, whole, the whole idea behind the Caligula's Horse live show is that we, we want to have a, a conversation with people, essentially. You know, I don't want it to be one-sided in any way. So, you know, when, when you get up and you see, and again, just uh, avoiding avoiding progressive metal tropes. You know, we're, yes, Sam is an incredible guitarist. Yes, Josh is an incredible drummer. Yes, they're all great players. And I go, all right. Um, but, the you know, yes, yes, that happens. But, like, it's, that's not the purpose of the show. The purpose of the show is a celebration of the music and one another, right? So, you know, when we... When we get up, I'm not going to be standing perfectly still. There's not just going to be like us standing there playing on instruments going, look at how amazing we are. Isn't this incredible? And everyone standing in the audience having exactly the same, you know, uh, static experience. You know, I, I want it to be physical and have that conversation. I want people to kind of party and celebrate. So it's kind of us like mixing, like for, for me, I guess, you know, all of my influences growing up being a teenager in the early 2000s, you know, with like the birth of new metal and kind of, you know, rap rock and stuff where everyone's moshing and having a great old time. Um, and kind of applying that same kind of uh, uh, like live performance model, I guess, to progressive metal. You know, trying to blend those worlds together. You played some with some really cool bands uh, uh, over the past like year or so: Opeth, Anathema, Pain of Salvation. Like, what, what do you get from the shows? Is it is it a personal experience? Do you learn something? Like, what do you get performing with bands that I know at least two of them? You've got on influences on your Facebook page. Like, what, what do you get mm-hmm. from those shows? Well, I mean, you, you're like, no matter who we tour with, whether it's a, another Australian band or, or, you know, a huge band like Opeth, like, there, there are no times when I walk away from a tour with another band and I, and I haven't learned something. You know, like I always watch and I always sort of try and pick something up from what they're doing on stage that maybe I could do better or, uh, you know, an approach to even interacting with the audience. Like watching Michael from Opeth talk to a crowd, it's like nothing else. The dude's always, always on and it's really, really cool to watch. Um... But on top of that, you know, like, we're in this for the experience, you know, it's not like we're getting paid, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, we're not, we're not uh, rolling in cash right now, um, based on writing our obscure progressive metal albums. Um, so, you know, for us, it's, a, it's about going and meeting these people and playing with people that we respect and, and you know, becoming their peers musically and, and uh, uh, you know, having that, like, a, I think one of the highlights for me was, was playing in uh, Pratown in Switzerland, which is the German area of Switzerland, I think. Uh, and that was with Opeth and playing this enormous venue packed with people and having them be so welcoming, both the band and their audience, you know, so welcoming to us having come so far and meeting so many wonderful people. So it's kind of, it really is about the experience for me. One last question. We talked a little bit last time about you getting into some prog music. When did you first start getting into heavy music? Uh, it's hard to say. I think I was sort of late to it, if I'm honest, because, you know, I was singing in choirs and doing the classical voice thing for a long time. Uh, but then probably around the age of 14, 15, like, I mean, I mean late to it in that, like, you know, I know Sam's been listening to heavy music since he was, like, nine. Uh, but um, all these black metal roots. Um, but for, for me, you know, maybe 14, 15, whenever, however old I was when... Uh, 
toxicity came out by System of a Down. I think that was kind of the the the, the moment for me because you know I listened to I dabbled in a little bit of Silverchair and stuff before that and that was pretty exciting. But then you know I remember seeing the the video clip for Chop Suey come on TV and it just like rushed past me like a, a gust of wind and I went what the flip was that you know hey how good was that I censored myself that was really nice um, <laughs> but yeah no you know I was, I was uh, you know it just it just absolutely blew my mind and from the point on I was like yeah I think I kind of want to do that um, but yeah that was that was the seed that was the seed definitely. Kill Your Horse, they'll be releasing their fourth studio album, In Contact, on September 15th. They'll also be touring Australia through September and October, playing in Melbourne at Max Watts on September 30th. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries, mate. Good times. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Samantha from Flashdown Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heavenly Axe. Hey, this is Gary Olmey of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1349. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to The Mosh Pit on Synth.